Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm your DJ. And now for our feature presentation. season, well, almost end of the season, holiday podcast. I am your host, Greg Cowan. On today's episode, Brad Wells, formerly of Stampede, Stampede Blue, and now just purveyor of fine hot takes, and I will be discussing your Indianapolis Colts. This is our first podcast of the 2016 season. Very exciting times. Call this a year in review for people who can who are clicking on the link and see the title. I think more appropriately, it's probably an era in review show because I think I think it's safe to say that if you took a man and hit him over the head with a cast iron pan and gave him amnesia, like just hard enough to give him amnesia, not hard enough to kill him. Then he woke up and you showed him a, a game from 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016. It's really hard to tell the difference. It's kind of all the same team, plays the same way, same mistakes. So this is an era in review. If you've heard me speak at any point in my life before, some of this stuff might sound familiar. I'm sorry. If the uh, source material doesn't change, I don't change. I'm weird. Waiting for, uh, I think we're having a little bit of technical behind-the-scenes difficulty getting Brad on board. That's okay, because if you know me, you know I like the sound of my own voice. So we're good. Oh, there's Brad. We're going to bring him on now. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm unmuted now. Is, is, that, uh, is, that, is that, do I sound okay? Yeah, you sound perfect. Great. So, Hi. Sorry I'm so hello. late. No. <laughs> I got to speak. I got to hear myself talk for three minutes. It's perfect. So well, that's I, good we, because I talk too much. So you can you can do a lot of the uh, of the early talking. Hi, I got hi. My three minutes in. You got your three I minutes just in. Sitting, now the, the rest of it is just sitting. me. Hi, happy holidays, <laughs> merry Christmas to you and all of your your lovely family and everything like that. It's nice to finally talk with you uh, on air, Greg. It's good to speak with you too. And you and I actually talked yesterday for the first time. Oh, like. In person, not in person, but on the mm-hmm. phone. 
And mm-hmm. so you and I have already discussed all this. So we're going to have a rehash of a conversation we had yesterday. But I was setting that before you got on, I was setting the table for everyone. And I was saying it to me, this is kind of like, instead of looking at this year, we're kind of looking at an era because to me, this year is exactly the same as last year is exactly the same as the year before is exactly the same as the year before. And so I, I'm not going to yeah. differentiate between this year and last year because it's all the same people, people who are surprised by this year, I feel bought into something that wasn't reality. Well, I think but, but let's do this real quick. Let's say that, you know, for people listening, most likely they know who you and I are, but we'll just do a very quick recap. I used to be the, the head writer and editor at Stampede Blue for eight years, and I left that in 2014, and I've kind of just been um, off on my own here in Vancouver, British Columbia. And um, I've followed you, Greg, for a very long time. Um, I know a lot of the people that write at Colts Authority. I obviously know Nate. Um, our, our Twitter exchanges uh, are, are now the stuff of legend, I'm told. And um, Josh, obviously, over at Stampede Blue is a very good friend of mine, and he's doing a great job. And, you know, one of the things that just kind of came up over the last couple of weeks is, um, you know, I mean, really, I think over the last couple of months, really, is that I, I've been reading a lot of what you, Greg, have written and said on Twitter. Um, I used to listen to your podcasts all the time. And um, we're kind of at the point now where I'm like, all right, it's the Christmas season. It's the holidays. Let's do a special holiday podcast and let's talk about basically like what you said, the end of an era. That's where we are right now. We're kind of at the end of an era right here. We have multiple people, both in local media, in local media in Indianapolis, I would say, and then national media and even people here in British Columbia. And I'm sure where you are in Ontario that are basically saying that the brain trust that's in charge of the Indianapolis Colts is wasting the prime years of Andrew Luck. That's not an opinion anymore. That's the consensus. That's what everyone is thinking. And those who aren't thinking that I think are probably living in some kind of delusional fantasy land where they think that if we just, you know, if we just give them a little bit more time, they're going to turn the corner and uh, start consistently beating the New England Patriots. Stuff like that. Uh, I think you and I are in agreement, and I think most logic-minded people are in agreement that that's just nonsense. It's fantasy. And that the only way that you're going to solve the problems of a team like the Indianapolis Colts, and there are a lot of teams that are like the Indianapolis Colts, the San Francisco 49ers, I think, are, the, are in the exact same boat as the Colts. Uh, You've got you to change everybody. You've got to fire the general manager. You got to fire the head coach and you got to restructure the organization so that the owner, Jim Ursay, has less hands on say in the overall football decisions of the franchise. Do you think that's a good summary of everything that they need to do? Yeah, I think, you know, you and I will complain about Pagano and Grigson weekly. Like you can point at things all the time, but. The, the mm-hmm. last part that you said is what's important. Until Ursay changes, until the organization organization's philosophy changes at the top, it doesn't matter what the two at the bottom, who they are, because the decisions or the philosophy that led Ursay to hiring these two people will just lead him to hiring two people who will make the same mistakes next time. Until exactly. he's ready to change, it doesn't matter. Exactly. What, it, you know, this is a, yeah, a cultural issue within the Indianapolis Colts. Um, you know, Colin McCullough of Bleacher Report 
who I worked with at Stampede Blue, um, he's been talking about this a lot on Twitter. He's an editor for Bleacher Report. And, you know, it's a cultural problem. You've got an organization now where high-priced star players like, like Dequell Jackson are getting pinched for PED violations. This isn't just like a regular, you know, an erratic thing. This is happening consistently. Robert Mathis was pinched for PED violations. You know, and if you believe this story that he told the press, I got a bridge in Brooklyn to, to, to sell you. Because, you know, this is a reoccurring problem that you're seeing within the team. You know, what a lot of people on Twitter say, and I agree with them, is, is that the, the culture of the organization is we don't accept any excuses. But here I'm going to give you about five excuses as to why we suck. There are no excuses, but here's a couple of excuses. And that kind of cultural problem isn't just Pagano, even though he very much buys into that. It isn't just Grigson, who absolutely buys into that. It comes from Ursay. It comes from the top. And until that gets resolved in some way, shape, and form, uh, you're just going to bring in, you're going to have another Pagano, you're going to have another Grigson come in, and you're going to have the same cycle all over again, and you're going to have another five years of wasted time uh, of Andrew Luck's uh, career, which is already going to be shortened. Because, you know, we've seen that reports now, yet again, Andrew Luck is injured. Yet again, it's a shoulder injury. Yet again, it's an elbow injury. Yet again, he's held out of practice. And this is the kind of stuff that's very concerning because Andrew Luck got beat up last week. He got knocked around and kicked and slapped around by the Texan defense. And, you know, the, the problems that we're seeing with the physical toll that the season is putting on Andrew Luck, these things are not just going to go away. These are going to linger with him throughout the rest of his career, which, you know, is Andrew Luck going to play 18 years the way Peyton Manning did, the way Tom Brady's playing right now? I don't think so. So your window to win now is short or shorter. And... If that's the case, then you don't have time to be given people like Chuck Pagano and Ryan Grigson contract extensions. You need to get some good people in here who know what they're doing in order for the team to be successful. Because right now the team has regressed significantly. You agree with that? Yeah, I, I said actually I remember doing a show, and people people argue with me about it. But every year we've done a lead-in show, <laughs> even this year in March, and I said mm-hmm. the team's no no different. It's mm-hmm. not any better. Oh no, it's better because they got this guy and that guy, and and they're and yeah. they're going to progress. It's the exact same team. Until yeah, you get people who can attack the quarter, the opposing quarterback. The only quarterback they're good at getting hurt is their own. Like they they can't sack any quarterback but Andrew Luck. And until they fix that, they're going nowhere. And you mm-hmm. have a supposed defeat defensive genius who what. What is his what is his genius in? Because he can't stop the run, he can't stop the pass, and he can't get find a way to to get after the quarterback. Yeah. So let's let's talk about what the excuses were for Chuck Pagano <laughs> because I, you know you set it up, but one of the things that we want to talk about with this podcast is we want to talk about what's wrong, and then in the second half of this podcast we're going to talk about how to fix it. We're going to put ourselves well, think- on the line. We're going to put ourselves on the line, or I'll put myself on the line and say, this is how you fix the problem, you know, and we're going to get into, into some details of how to fix it. Cause we talked about the high level, you know, restructuring, but then you got to start getting into, okay, so what kind of people do you want to bring in here? You know, what kind of philosophy do you want to bring in here? You know, who, who would you Greg like to see come into the Indianapolis Colts, that kind of thing. I think, you know, cause it's the holiday season and, you know, people want hope. So we got to sell them a little bit of hope, just a little bit, right? 
Well, that's fine, but I think we need to start with the original sin then, the very first excuse ever made. Before they started mm-hmm. anything, Ryan Grixon basically said, it's not my fault because I'm in cap hell. Like, before they, <laughs> they even took a snap, he was already making excuses for himself, saying, I just cut the ha- half the team, I'm in cap hell. Hey, look, I'm going to go sign Leron Landry. Like, the dude, <laughs> the guy is all over the place. You do I mean, have I, to I give, I will give, I will give the Colts this credit, and I think this is important. The person, I've forgotten his name, but the person who's running the cap for the Indianapolis Colts is doing a fantastic job. Yeah, you know, however, they're really good. They're great yeah. at signing con- these guys to contracts that can be eliminated in a year. <laughs> yeah. You know I, I, here's a contract. But, I mean, you got to give them credit. They're not, they're not locking in people. I mean, I remember, this is a while ago, so, I mean, it's really hard to sort of compare this. But we're talking about, you know, 15, 16, 17 years ago, you had Bill Polian going out there. And just signing some of these ridiculous players to, you know, insane contracts that the Colts were locked into for multiple years. He wasn't a bad player, but Chad Bradsky was one of them. He was a bad player, and this is a great example of it. Chad Cota, if people remember him, he stunk as a safety. And he was was very expensive. Jeff Burris was signed. Jeff Burris couldn't cover my grandmother. And yet he was signed to a, a big free agent contract. So, you know, those kinds of of deals really hampered the Colts, especially as they got into 2001, which was their big, huge collapse. It ended up with the firing of Vic Fangio, the firing of Jim Mora and the bringing in of Tony Dungy. And that first year under Tony Dungy, 2002, they were getting, they were still kind of in the cap hell that they, uh, that Polian had put them in. And then by 2003, 2004, 2005, they were getting out of it. And then better draft selections were starting to pay off, and that sort of paved the way for their Super Bowl run and win in 2006. The Colts now are interesting because, the, you know, Ryan Grigson's excuse of his recent excuse, especially of, well, we got a lot of money locked up in Andrew Luck, so we can't go out and, 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 and bring in a lot of great people. It's total crap. It's total and complete crap. They do have a lot of money locked up in Andrew Luck. I think next year they're going to be about 60 to 70 million under the salary cap. And they got a lot of bad players who are very expensive, who are going to be walking out the door this next year. Robert Mathis is one of them. Dequell Jackson's another one. You let those guys who are old and slow and injury prone and have been popped for PEDs go. For Mathis, you throw him a nice goodbye party. Thank you for your lovely career in Indianapolis. See you later. And you've got to get some, some people in this organization that, as you say, can rush the passer and can make plays because you literally could look at this roster and outside of the quarterback position, I think you have needs everywhere. Every position, including receiver, including receiver. Everyone wants to talk about how great T.Y. Hilton is. I think T.Y. Hilton's a very talented guy, but T.Y. Hilton's not, you know, T.Y. Hilton's not, Marvin Harrison. T.Y. Hilton's not Reggie Wayne. I mean, he's, he's, he's very good, but, you know, as we saw in the Texans game the other week, T.Y. Hilton is not the most reliable receiver that you, that you can get out there. And then you have needs all across the offensive line. You have needs everywhere on defense, including corner. I'm still not sold on Vontae Davis being this great shutdown corner that everyone thought he was going to be. He's a good player, but not a great one. And so, you know, outside of maybe kicker and punter, and quarterback, you've got needs everywhere. And because you've got needs everywhere, you have to figure out, you know, what the focus of your team, what's, what's your team going to be built around, especially on defense. 
And they still haven't figured that out. Ryan Grigson's still searching for that. And because he hasn't found anything, he's making excuses for it, as you say. You know, we, we have too much locked up in Andrew Lux. We can't do this over here. Garbage. Garbage. They should, they should, I, I throw a, they should have a parade for when they fire Ryan <laughs> Grigson in Indianapolis. There really should be a parade. It should be a public event, like an execution almost. <laughs> you, know, it's, you know, the guy's just awful. The guy's awful. And, I, I um, will say that. Uh, wait, hold yeah. on, hold on. Ty is better than I think. Ty and Vontae are better than you give them credit for. But if you have no one around, like there's no one to take pressure off of either of them. True. Like that is true. It, it's, that is true. It's really easy to shut Ty down if there's no one else. Like Moncrief, who everyone loves, and I, I even like him, but he I doesn't like get too. separation. He doesn't get separation. Philip Dorsett, who I actually defended the pick because we didn't see him play, and if he was good, it would have been worth it. Is a total waste. Yeah. Dwayne Allen, Dwayne Allen like inherited Kobe Fleener's hands, and it doesn't <laughs> matter what. Stay healthy, right? Like, and every running back they bring in, I think Ty is. Fine. I mean, sure, he's not the best. Ty is fine. In the league. Don't get me wrong here. Don't get me wrong here. I think Ty Hilton is absolutely a keeper, but what I'm trying to say here is that just because you have Ty Hilton doesn't mean okay. Well, we can ignore the receiver position. Oh, no. definitely not. If you, like, that, that's no, what I mean. That's what I mean. You have needs. Yeah. You have needs everywhere. So if you're in the draft or, or you know, if there's a free agent that's out there that, you know, this guy's a really good receiver, you don't think, well, we're not going to get him because we have T.Y. Hilton. No, if he's really no. good, you get him. <laughs> it doesn't matter the if only you have T.Y. Hilton. Only quarterback is the only one yeah, you don't. Yeah, quarter, quarterback, I would say that. Quarterback, and, you know, that's about it. That's about yep. it. I mean, and I think that, that Vontae Davis, I've always said this about Vontae, I think he's a good corner. And, you know, he's better than probably the Colts have ever, have ever had, really, at that position. I mean, at the end of the day, when it comes to talent, he's not a great corner. He's not Darrell Rivas in his prime. Um, he's not Patrick Peterson, you know. He's not uh, Richard Sherman in his prime. So uh, I think that because of that, you're not getting as good a return on the investment as you should. But that's not entirely Vontae's fault. Um, and it's because of exactly what you said. If there's nobody rushing the passer, I don't care how good your secondary is. You can only lock receivers up for so many seconds before somebody has to get to the quarterback. Well, it, it also doesn't matter. He can be the best cornerback in the history of football when mm-hmm. TJ Green or whoever oh, is on the other side, yeah. they're, they're never going to throw his way anyhow. Yeah. The, and throw, let, and let's don't be, win with a cornerback. You don't. You need a secondary. You need a secondary. And we're kind of getting to the point now, There, you know, in the NFL, there was a shift. I would say about 10 years ago, the safety position was was more important than corner because safeties could just go in there and blow people up with the crown of their helmet. Bob Sanders did it. Kanoa Kennedy of the uh, Denver Broncos did it. Everybody did it. They would just go in there and blast the heck out of people. Nobody threw over the middle. And then because of the rule changes, safeties had to back off of that. You know, they're throwing 15-yard penalties. And there was more emphasis put on needing a shutdown corner. So I would say about five years ago, you wanted corners on the outside that could shut people down. Now I'm starting to sense that the shift is coming back towards safety a little bit because you're seeing guys like Landon Collins, who the Colts passed on to take Philip Dorsett, I might add. Um, got guys like uh, Earl Thomas. These guys that are making a ha-ha Clinton Dix, these guys who are making significant contributions, Devin McCourty in New England, at the safety position, because so many teams, their base defense now is nickel. 
there is really no 3-4 or 4-3 anymore. Everyone plays nickel, I would say, 60%, 70% of the time. So you need that safety now to basically be a hybrid corner linebacker to go in there and, and make the plays on the run and be able to cover the tight ends and maybe a few receivers coming uh, coming off the line uh, for your defense. That's why the, the injury to Earl Thomas is so devastating to the Seattle Seahawks. They're in deep trouble, I think. I've watched a lot of Seahawks games out here, and I think we should be open about this with people listening who are Colt fans. I've probably watched about five Colt games this year. You can't watch every single Colt game. It's just impossible. Um, when you're trying to watch the rest of the NFL and gauge you know, the trends and the analysis of the NFL. But in that five games that I've watched the Colts, I've gotten a pretty good idea. Of, of what it is that they are and what they are is they're not good. They stink. They stink. And they've won the games that they've won six games right now because of their quarterback, Andrew Luck. He is the only reason. And Luck is having a phenomenal season this year, despite the fact that he's got injuries, a bad offensive line and inept coaching. I don't even know how it's a conversation. I know we're probably going to get into this and we only have about 40 more minutes, but if you go over against the Jaguars and the Texans, how does Jim Irsay say with a straight face, I, I'm not firing him. Even if he's just giving lip yeah. service for the next three weeks, like he lost to the worst team in the NFL and then a team mm-hmm. with the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Well, I go, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's Brock Osweiler and Bortles are like one a and one B in that, but you, you can't yeah. go over against those two teams. Yeah. That was, that yeah. was Pagano's whole welfare system for, uh, you can't fire me because I always win this crap division. And now mm-hmm. the crap division yeah. didn't get any better, and you're still not going to win it. Yeah, they still own the Titans, though. You've got to give Pagano yeah. that, I guess. They can still, and, the, and, what's funny, and what's funny about it all is that uh, the Titans might win the division and <laughs> might go to the playoffs. Right now, they have the, the second-best quarterback. Like, yeah. They, they, they do the best yeah. against him. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. and Mar- I mean, that, that's the other thing you have to think about if you're thinking about change in the NFL. Marcus Mariota is only going to get better. And Marcus Mariota is not taking the hits that Andrew Luck is taking. You know, you could, you could say that the Brock Osweiler signing was a bust, and right now it looks to be. I think you could, uh, most of the blame should fall on Osweiler, but I think some of the blame should also fall on Bill O'Brien. His offense stinks. A lot of quarterbacks, Bill O'Brien's had a lot of quarterbacks play for him in, in, in Houston. They've all stunk. And at some point, you have to start thinking that's the talent of the quarterback, and maybe it's your crappy offense, Bill. Maybe it's that. I don't know. You know, because we saw Hoyer, who was awful last year in Houston. He came over to Chicago this year, and before he broke his leg, uh, Brian Hoyer was having a he was having a fantastic season. People were like, "Jay Cutler, who?" You know, and then Hoyer breaks his leg, and it's 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 unfortunate. But I mean, if he's having success in Chicago but was struggling in Houston, it kind of suggests that maybe the offense is the problem, but that's obviously a different conversation with, with the Colts. They need to get better because their division is only going to get harder. Tennessee looks really good. Tennessee's defense is fantastic. Dick LeBeau. I mean, it's fantastic considering the talent they have. The coaching there is great. Dick LeBeau is the defensive coordinator. Dick LeBeau is one of the great coaches of all time, especially on defense. And that, that, that offense is only going to get better. They run the football right down your throat. Mariota's got a lot of talent. Eventually, Jacksonville is going to fire Gus Bradley. It's going to happen at the end of the year. It's just a question of time. They're going to bring in some people that know what they're doing. It might be um, McDaniel you know, from New England. It might be Shanahan in Atlanta. But they're going to bring in an offensive-minded coach. 
And maybe that helps Blake Bortles. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But the Jaguars still have talent. They're just badly coached. And the coaching is going to probably get better. So Jacksonville is going to improve. And the Houston Texans, despite all their problems, they can run the football and they can play defense. And they're, you know, they're, they're, they swept the Colts this year. So they're not that bad. So you've got to get better. There's no question about it. And the, that's where the focus is. The only way to get better is for there to be change. You have to change. If you continue with the leadership that they've got right now, they will not get better. They will continue to regress. And they will, they will be worse than bad. They'll be mediocre. I think at the end of the day, if you're a fan, you'd rather really abjectly stink than be mediocre. Because if you abjectly stink, then you get good draft picks and your front office should do something with those draft picks. If the front office doesn't, you get rid of the front front office and bring in new people. Okay, yeah. what you're I saying think... is factually correct, but you can't tell mm-hmm. Colts fans that because last year my Twitter feed was all, no, it's better to go 8-8 eight and eight, even though you mathematically cannot make the playoffs than it is to go 7-9 and nine and get a pick 10 picks higher because oh, that 8-8, eight eight, that 8, no, I've this, what you just said, the whole it's mm-hmm. better to lose than be 8-8, eight and eight, but I, I, I've said that, and they all, no, you, you want to win. win. It's prideful. No, fuck your prideful. pride, man. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. You, you and I are in agreement on this. Um, you don't I win understand. With pride. No, you don't <laughs> like, win. You don't win with pride. Do you win? Do you win? Do, do you really, at the end of the day, do you think that NFL executives are sitting up there thinking about the pride of the team? They want to go eight and eight over seven and nine because if you go seven and nine, it's a higher likelihood that you get fired than if you go eight and eight. Because if you go eight and eight, you say, well, at least we're not losers. That's all yeah. that's about. There's no, there's no pride in this regard. This is all about. This is business. This is business. The NFL is, number one, a business. And if the business of your team is winning football games, if you're at the end of the year, I mean, I made this point yesterday on Twitter. Why don't they just shut Andrew Luck down? Shut him down. What are you, what are you playing for? What are you trying to win for? Most of this team is going to be gone next year because they're old and slow. So what are you trying to win for? I understand what the coach and the general manager are trying to do. They're trying to save their jobs. But even in that case, if they're fired right now, those two guys, coach and general manager contracts are guaranteed, unlike player contracts, which are not. So if Ryan Grigson and Chuck Pagano are fired tomorrow, they are still paid by the Indianapolis Colts over the next three years. So for fans out there that are, that are concerned about Chuck Pagano and Ryan Grigson, please, these guys are fine. They will be paid millions of dollars to not coach and to not work in a front office if they're fired today. Today. And if, you, if you're reading the tea leaves right now, boys and girls out there, Greg and I read the tea leaves all the time. Chuck Pagano and Ryan Grigson are probably going to get fired at the end of the year. Now, I know that everybody said this last year. And the reason why they said this last year is because Chuck Pagano and Ryan Grigson showed up on Black Monday to the Colts complex, fully convinced that they were both going to be fired. And it was Chuck Pagano who talked Jim Irsay out of not firing either one of them. And the big reason why Jim Irsay didn't fire either one of them is that the people that he really wanted to bring in, Sean Payton and Nick Saban, didn't want the job. So he was forced to stick with the guys that he had before. Now we're entering, you know, the, the last few weeks of December, 
And Black Monday is going to right around the corner. And this time, especially if the Colts miss the playoffs, which seems very likely, uh, Jim Mercy is going to fire these guys. You now have Bob Kravitz, uh, longtime columnist of the Indianapolis Star. He now does television work and online work. He's come out and has said that uh, the Colts should fire Grigson and Pagano, which is the clearest sign, if you're reading tea leaves, that both these guys are gone. Bob Kravitz has a very close relationship with Jim Irsay. Everyone in Indianapolis media knows that what Kravitz says, Irsay at the very least will listen to it, and or Irsay's given him a small nod to say it's okay to say that. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows that Kravitz and Irsay are tight. And Kravitz happened to report that the day that Jim Irsay was at the owners' meeting and the day that Jim Irsay had to comment on the status of his coach and the general manager, that is not coincidence. These guys are gone. I'm, I'm, you know, I was convinced of it last year, and I was shocked that they were kept. It's the same this year. These guys are gone. They're, they will be fired. It would be very surprising to see them once again be brought into, especially now that, as you know, Greg, Apathy has set in with the fan base. People don't care anymore, right? Yep. I, I said yesterday to you, if we had this podcast a year ago, people would have been like, stop with the hot takes, man. <laughs> but now they're like, yeah. All in right, that voice. Right. They would say it in that voice. Yeah, exactly in that stop voice. Stop with they the hot takes, man. <laughs> they, they would have reverted prepubescent, and they would have been all pissed off. But now it's like, I see you and I have a – you and I have a slight, I think, disagreement on uh, Colts fans. What I would say, and I don't want to bash Colts fans because I like them, most of them. And I do want to get on to how we'd fix it. But for me, you and I live in, in big markets now, like yeah. legitimate big markets. When I look at Toronto fans, and Toronto up until this year has been, in my lifetime, the I've never seen a sports city so inept. And I, that includes, I was born in Cleveland, like an hour from Cleveland. Every sports team in Toronto was run in the worst possible way. They're, they're rich yeah. beyond belief, every one of them. And it was, we don't care. We don't want to take any amount of time and effort into building properly. We just want to do as much as we can to make the playoffs to make money. That's how they every now, now to be fair. Now to be fair, in recent years, obviously you're talking about while you've while you've lived in Toronto, but in recent right, years right, right. the Blue Jays have really sort of righted their ship, brought in all, some all good people have and have had some success. All of them have now. What I would say is mm-hmm. so earlier for for Toronto fans, it was never we just want you to make the playoffs. We don't care. We don't want you to just finish eight hundred or five hundred mm-hmm. so we can say, Yay, good. They wanted to win and they were fine if the team wanted to tear it down to win. Mm-hmm. But the teams were so focused on making money that it was just, okay, keep with the vets, keep with this, just get, get us into the playoffs. And it was, it's much more, what I'm trying to say is the fans in a big market like this are much more cold-blooded than my experience with fans in, in Indianapolis who are... In smaller markets, yeah. Chuck yeah. Day, because we like him. I don't... I don't care. Well, it's it's the region. I think it's the region too because I think market wise. I mean, for 20 years I lived in New York. So you want to talk about a volatile sports market and a volatile, well, uh, you know, there's 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 not just a fan base. There's fan bases in New York and and there's rival fan bases within within the city. Here in Vancouver, I actually think the market is very similar to Indianapolis from what I've, I mean in terms of size and in terms of how fans, um, you know, Vancouver fans are often. Um, 
uh, given the label of fair weather, which is the label that a lot of people give Indianapolis Colts fans, fair weather, um, because they don't get upset. They just kind of get apathetic when, when, yeah, whatever, it's the Canucks, eh, whatever, it's, it's, it's this. I mean, at the end of the day, though, I think the, the region of Indiana, Indianapolis, and that particular, you know, the mindset there, you, you get, you get a much more, I would often jokingly call it a much more folksy kind of um, uh, view of the team. If the coach is a nice guy, a good guy, they're willing to forgive inept, you know, ineptitude. If the coach is, uh, shares their values, they're willing to forgive mediocrity. Uh, mediocrity is often forgivable if you're nice. Um, being horrible, if you, if you stink, if you abjectly stink, then uh, they're not as forgiving. If you're really successful, but uh, you don't really share the community's views, they'll keep you at arm's length. Uh, that's how I've always sort of viewed the Indianapolis fan base. And I think with Pagano, uh, he's, Pagano's great at working the media and Pagano's great at working fans and Pagano's great at, you know, pulling off this sort of, you know, uh, you know, kind of like a friendly gym teacher. He's kind of, he reminds me of my PE teacher when I was in high school. It's just kind of a, you know, like you're, like you're, and I think a lot of people see that in him. He's like your weight room coach or something like that. He, he looks like a coach. He talks like a coach, even though he can't fricking coach. So, I think because of that, people have been more forgiving with him. But at the end of the day, Pagano has had multiple opportunities to prove that he can coach. Last year, uh, or the beginning of this year, I should say, his excuse for not being more successful was his assistants weren't that good. He fired Pep Hamilton. He got rid of Greg Minuski. He got rid of his entire coaching staff, basically, and replenished it all. This season, the exact same results, whole new coaching staff. So Greg Minuski was thrown under the bus, and the new guy they've got there isn't very good either. Pep Hamilton was thrown under the bus, and Rob Chudzinski, as we saw last week against the Texans, really, if we're talking about bad play calling, Rob Chudzinski pretty much typified it last week against the Texans. So the offensive line coach was replaced, and Joe Philbin, who had all sorts of horrible history with the Miami Dolphins, he was brought in, and he hasn't done anything any, any better. The one guy I think that might be an improvement is Brian Schottenheimer. He's done some pretty good work with Andrew Luck's footwork. So maybe he's a keeper, but the rest of them can go. And I guess this is a good segue now into we, we've talked about what's wrong. We know what the problems are, and I think everyone is in agreement as to how to solve the problem. Solve the problem by making change. So let's talk about what kind of change we're, we're going to do in this next half hour um, of check, uh, check it to pancakes on Colts Authority Radio, <laughs> Greg Cowan, Brad Wells, uh, special holidays uh, podcast uh, brought to you by fan apathy and regret and remorse. Um, and some booze. And, 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 and booze. Uh, eggnog tonight, <laughs> by the way. Eggnog, uh, I'm, I'm lactose intolerant, so it's got to be, it's gotta be um, almond nog. But really, at the end of the day, I don't really care what the nog is. It's all about the brandy and or whiskey or bourbon you put into the nog. I'm a big bourbon guy. That's just my amaretto. I don't know if you like amaretto. Amaretto, yeah, that's really good. I like that stuff. And um, my family is all from uh, northern Kentucky, so bourbon is a you know well very 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 big deal. Support the local brands. (laughs) Gotta support the 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 local brands. I'm a big fan of Bullet. I'm a big fan of Bullet. That's just me. We're getting a ton of snow, so I don't know how much drinking is in my future. So 
I think if you, you got to go out now and get it after the podcast, <laughs> get the get the booze, stock up, and then that way you're all good because that helps you warm you while the snow comes down. It also I'm, helps I'm take drive. It also <laughs> takes away the pain that you're feeling, the terrible pain that you're feeling because your favorite franchise is run by a bunch of buffoons. So Ursay <laughs> wakes up tomorrow and he's like, "I'm going to make a change." And I, I think the change you and I talked about this. I think the change he has to make is mentally. He has to be willing to accept input from someone else. He didn't like it at the end of the Pullian era. I, I don't know if you're going to talk yeah. about the Chris Paul stuff and whatnot, but, but I think the overall point is this whole era has been pushed back to him wanting to be the guy, the face, the person making the yes. decision. He wants a hand in everything. I think the only yes. way forward is for him to wake up and say, okay, I don't need to have a hand in this. It's enough for me to just be the owner of a, of a great team. Well, Ursay's so. always going to have input. Ursay had input when Polian was around. And that's been written about and talked about a lot of the time. Bill Polian, though, was the face of the Indianapolis Colts. He had his own radio show, for God's sake. General managers and team presidents typically don't have their own radio show. Bill Polian, you know, Bill Polian was the face of the Colts, not Tony Dungy. Bill Polian was the face of the Colts. Bill Polian wanted to be the face of the franchise, not Peyton Manning. And uh, as the Manning era was coming to a close... Jim Irsay fell, and Bill Polian had one foot out the door. Bill Polian was most likely going to retire in 2012, and he was giving control of the franchise over to his son and his son's best friend, his son being Chris Polian and his best friend being Tom Telesco. Tom Telesco is now the general manager of the San Diego Chargers. Jim Irsay did not have a lot of respect and or faith in Chris Polian, so at the end of the 2011 season, which was an abject disaster, the Colts almost went 0-16 that year, he fired Chris Polian. And when he fired Chris Polian, Bill Polian said, you got to fire me too. So he fired Bill as well. And that's it. So now, and when, when Ursay did that, the, the general sense was he wanted to take back control of his team. That the Polians had basically been running the football operations. They'd been the face of the team for a while. Ursay and his Twitter account wanted to be the face of the team. We now can see that that's a mistake. So Ursay has to, at, right now, because Ursay's Twitters are ridiculous you know, Ursay's been pinched for reckless driving, driving under the influence. Jim just needs to take a step back because fans don't like him. People don't respect him. People around the league don't respect him. Players don't respect him. I've talked to players about this. Coaches don't respect him. It's because at the end of the day, Jim Ursay says and does dumb stuff. Media doesn't respect him. So Jim needs to take a step back. Look at, look at the way local media treat him now. Greg Doyle bashes him repeatedly in his columns, and rightly so. You know, Bob Kravitz, you know, it, you know, at the end of the day, Bob won't write anything negative about Jim because of their friendship. But Bob Kravitz coming out and saying that he wants Grigson and Pagano fired, that's a direct shot at Jim Irsay because Jim Irsay is the one who re-signed these guys recently. So media has turned on Jim, and Jim just needs to take a step back and bring in some people that know what they're doing. Because Jim doesn't know what he's doing. And when those people come in, Jim is still going to have his, he's still going to have his say. But at the end of the day, the guy who makes the decisions on who, the, who, who gets drafted, team president or vice president or vice chairman, whatever the title you want to be, the head, you know, the, the kind of person that, uh, that Polian was from 97 to 2011, the kind of person that John Elway is right now in Denver. He has total control of the football operations. That's what they need to have in Indianapolis. Team president type comes in. He's the face of the franchise, 
and he's working hand-in-hand with Andrew Luck and with the coach to make sure that the organization is moving in the right direction. And he establishes a new culture there, a culture of maybe accountability, a culture of we're going to be tough-minded, we're going to run the football and play defense, I don't know, or a culture of, you know what, we're going to score and we're going to get turnovers. That's our culture right here. We're going to be about speed, 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 and more speed. We play eight games of the year on, on, a, on an indoor surface. We play one game down in Florida. We play a game in Texas, and we play a game in Tennessee. So most of the time, the weather's pretty good. We're about speed. You know, Whatever that is, they need to get that guy in here. Uh, so we're talking executive types. Everyone, every year, Jim Mercy has a, has a flirtation with Eric DaCosta of the Baltimore Ravens. DaCosta is the number two man there under Ozzie Newsom. And uh, DaCosta, you know, I, he's the kind of person that wants that kind of team president role. He wants the power that Ozzie Newsom has in Baltimore. And uh, if Jim Irsay wants a guy like that, he's going to have to give him that kind of power. And part of coming with that power is the general manager and or team president is probably going to want to hire the coach. And I think that's the big sticking point right there, because what Irsay likes to do is Ursay likes to hire the general manager and Ursay likes to hire the coach. And then the two of them have to work it out. And more often than not, that relationship hasn't worked out. It didn't work out between Jim Mora and Bill Polian. It didn't work out really all that great between Jim Caldwell and Bill Polian. And it didn't work out between obviously Ryan Grigson and Chuck Pagano. The one time he struck gold with it was Dungy and Polian. You know, and there were there were misgivings at that point. Bill Polian did not reportedly want to hire Tony Dungy. He wanted to hire Nick Saban back in 2001. So that worked out great. Oh, that'd have been that'd have been fantastic. You know, um, <laughs> but I mean, these are all these are all things people have written about. This it's it's common knowledge now, at least in the circles that I run in still, and. You know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you're going to have to give the general manager or the president some some power to, to hire the head coach. And, and the name everyone wants to throw out there, obviously, you know, person that you bring in to run the organization, change the culture, whatever, is Jim Harbaugh, uh, head coach of uh, Michigan. And obviously, he has a very good relationship with Jim Irsay. He was Jim Irsay's quarterback at one point when Irsay was transitioning to becoming the owner as his father was dying back in 1994, 1995. And Jim Harbaugh obviously had a lot of success uh, as the quarterback of the coach. Jim Harbaugh recruited Andrew Luck at Stanford, so there's a relationship there. Everyone knows that Jim Harbaugh wants to get back into the NFL and win in the NFL, and he wants to do two things. He wants to beat his brother, <laughs> and he wants to show up the, the York family in San Francisco because he's pissed at them. So everyone knows that uh, Harbaugh's got a great job in Michigan. He came out recently and said he's not interested in any NFL jobs and says that any speculation about that is being made by, by jive turkeys, as he called them. So I don't believe anything that Harbaugh says in that regard. I think Harbaugh does want to get back into the NFL. And if there is a job that would entice him to leave Michigan this year, the Colts job would be the job. He's not leaving that job to go coach the Rams or the Jets or the Browns or whatever, you know, the Jaguars or anything like that, in my opinion. But if the Colt job were to open up, I think that Harbaugh would at the very least consider it. We know that John Gruden, uh, you know, is very much open to this job and that he's basically said he'd leave ESPN if the Colt job came open. He's basically said that. So that's a guy, if you're bringing him in, he's going to want total control of of the franchise. So he would be basically the head coach and the GM. 
and he would bring in somebody that would do sort of the day-to-day GM kind of stuff. But he would decide who the team would draft. He would decide what free agents would be brought in, and he would he would coach the team on the field. Um, that's a little dangerous because, uh, you know, even though he won a Super Bowl in 2002, Gruden didn't have a lot of success after that 2002 season in Tampa Bay, and he had full and complete control of that franchise from 2002 up until when he was fired in 2008. So, but... Gruden's a better coach than Chuck Pagano. What do you think of John Gruden? I would I don't I would not give anyone GM plus coach. I would want mm-hmm. a GM and a coach. I don't I can't remember the last time there was someone who had both titles and it worked out well for well, more Bill, than Bill, Bill Belichick. Right, but it, you know. well, okay, but he's we have to put aside like probably the greatest coach of all time. Well, the successful ones that I can think of off the top of my head, Parcells had Parcells he had are, right. he had success in New England and he had success with the Jets. Um, you know, he had some success with the Cowboys and a little bit of success with the Dolphins. But he, by the time he got to the Dolphins, he was just an executive; he wasn't coaching. Um, so I Parcells, I, I guess, yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying though, it's I'd rather have a coach and a GM who can work together. Like the coach says, this is the type of player I want. I think there's way mm-hmm. too much that goes into being a GM that has nothing to do with being a coach. Like you, you couldn't take yeah. Bill Polian and ask him to coach. And I, I have a really high opinion of Bill Polian, and I don't. You could, and I have a high opinion of Tony Dungy. They're both Hall of Famers for their respective yeah. things. You couldn't ask Dungy to be a GM. I would rather mm-hmm. find two people who are really good than one, ask one guy, and. The weird thing about Gruden wanting total control is he's already a guy who was known for burning himself at both ends. Like, I remember yeah. the piece on him, like, staying up till 4 a.m. and then getting up at 5, like, sleeping at the complex and then waking up at 5, just a game plan. Where's his yeah. time to be – where's his time to be a GM? I just mm-hmm. – if you told if, – if you said Bill Belichick wants – like, Tom Tommy's retiring and Belichick wants to come to Indianapolis – I give him a team. <laughs> sure. I don't care. Like, he can be owner, <laughs> yeah. GM, president, coach. It, but that's a very specific – for me, I I don't know. I'd, I'd like to have a GM, uh, probably a president, GM, and coach. And there's mm-hmm. a name you haven't said yet, and I'm surprised because all the Hoosiers are going to want this name. And I don't know where I stand on Peyton it. Peyton Manning? Yeah. I, I, I don't think uh, – nostalgia and heartstrings want Peyton Manning. I don't know if – well, let's talk about let's talk about Manning for a second because okay. his name will come up uh, when if and when there is a change. I think it's if uh, Manning's name is going to come up because Manning's now had his year off. He's gotten his time as Manning is wont to do to sort of peruse the NFL and find out what you know to send his feelers out and to sort of have his year off before he goes back into. Um, you know, the grind of the NFL and there, it is a grind when you're at the executive level. And I think that's where Manning will most likely go. He'll become a football executive. I don't see him as a coach. He doesn't see himself as a coach, you know, an administrator of some kind or an executive. I could see Peyton Manning being the head of an athletic department, like the head of Tennessee's athletic department. I could see Peyton Manning being a team president or the type of person that John Elway is in, in Denver. I could see that. I don't see it happening with Indianapolis. And the reason why is because Ursay has made it very clear that he wants to basically separate the Colts' legacy of winning from Manning. There are more Manning fans than there are Colts fans. And Ursay has tried very hard, and he's failed, 
to make these Manning fans Colts fans. And the reason why he's failed is because people don't like Jim Irsay. Mm-hmm. And if they've made up their mind about you, they're not going to like your team. So if you bring in Peyton Manning, it's really not Jim Irsay's team anymore. It's Peyton Manning's team once again. And Manning will get all of the credit for the wins, not Irsay, and not Irsay's daughters. Manning will get all of the credit for Andrew Luck's career, not Irsay. And I think that Irsay doesn't want that. I think I think Manning will most likely become like a team president of like the Cleveland Browns, to be honest with you, because he's got a very close relationship with the owner of the Browns, Jimmy Haslam. The other team that people have speculated on is the Tennessee Titans, um, and that Manning might even have an ownership stake in that, which is why the NFL is basically trying to push Amy Adams Strzok out of the ownership. She's the majority owner right now of the Titans since her her father, I believe, Bud Adams, died. Uh, but the it looks like the management situation there in Tennessee has sort of gotten itself taken care of, and they've, they've done a pretty good job. Uh, but I think those two teams are more likely to get someone like Peyton Manning than the Indianapolis Colts. But his name will come up, and it, it, it should come up, because uh, as as green as Manning is most likely as a football executive, he's probably better than Ryan Grigson. Oh, well, I, see, I don't even know if he'd be a GM, though. I, to me, he would be the face. He'd be the president. Oh, he'd be and the GM. If... Peyton would okay, be the well... GM. He, Peyton, Peyton, would, Peyton would scout, do all the stuff. He would be Bill Polian. Peyton, you, come on, this is Peyton Manning. You want to talk mm-hmm. about a control freak. Well, Peyton, Peyton he... Manning will want final say on every draft pick and every free mm-hmm. agent that comes in. Final say. He will select the coaches. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll want that kind of control. You know. See, I agree that he won't become a coach because he's such a perfectionist that I think yeah. he understands that he he would never be able to coach someone the how he was as a player. Yeah. But the the one thing that intrigues me is does he become an executive or does he go the TV route? Like he has a choice, I think, between yeah becoming bigger than Phil Sims and and oh, Chris yeah, Collins. Oh yeah, he would be. He would be. They would groom him. It depends on where he would sign with. Uh, he would right. be basically the guy that would replace Collinsworth on Sunday night football, or he would be the guy on whether it's Fox or CBS, he would be, the, you know, it wouldn't be Joe Buck and Troy Aikman anymore. It would be Joe Buck and Peyton Manning. Right. You know, that kind so, of, so it, it, I don't you know, know which way he wants to go. I think that's his fallback though. My, from everything that I know and from all the, the, the talk that I hear is that he wants to become an NFL executive. And if nothing that he wants materializes, because it's got to be on his terms, then he would do, then he would do television. Television's the fallback. Uh, and then you do television for a year until the team gets really desperate and then meets your demands. And then you go and become an executive. Uh, that's the route that a lot of people follow. So his name's going to come up. Uh, you know, some, some, some names that I'll throw out there that I think are people that uh, deserve to be executives uh, who maybe the Colts will look at. Uh, Terry McDonough, he's an executive for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, his brother is the announcer right now, the television announcer for ESPN's Monday Night Football, does the work with Gruden. And his father was a columnist for the Boston Globe for years, Will McDonough. And he's got an excellent reputation in the NFL. Uh, He's considered a big reason why the Cardinals have turned their franchise around from being an abject joke to being um, a pretty strong uh, franchise now with uh, a a good track record of winning. He's somebody that's young too, relatively young. I think he's in his forties. 
So he's a name that I think is going to come up. Lewis Riddick, who is a commenter right now at ESPN, uh, he's got a background uh, in scouting. A lot of people think that he's ready to be an executive, a smart guy. Then a guy that gets interviewed every year who never gets uh, a job is Mark Ross uh, of the New York Giants. And he's a big reason why the Giants uh, have, have had sustained success for a long period of time. And they've, they've obviously hit it big with their free agent signings this year. And Ross was a big key player in all of that. He's pretty young, too. He's in his early 40s. So those are some people that I think are going to get some bites. And I think those are some people that Jim Mersey is going to look at. There's another guy whose name escapes me, but he's basically the head of player personnel for the Dallas Cowboys. Works hand-in-hand with Stephen Jones, who, by the way, for all the crap that we give Jerry Jones, his son Stephen Jones is an excellent excellent executive. When, when Jerry Jones cedes control of his franchise fully to Stephen Jones, the Cowboys are going to be a very good franchise for a long time. Stephen Jones is excellent. I really don't know how Jerry Jones's spawn can be so good, but he is. The Cowboys' success right now, Dak Prescott, the offensive line, Ezekiel Elliott, the, the, the defense, a lot of the reason why that's, that's the Cowboys have made this shift in recent years to becoming much better is because of Stephen Jones. So, and, and, and the group of executives that he's, that he's put together there at Dallas. So some of those guys are going to get some bites too. Uh, and they should because they're, they're really good. Any executives that you can think of? No, I, I'm not. I'm not very good at this portion of any – every time we have this conversation, I just What's a, who, talk about guys. That you, who's a coach that you would want? Uh, who's an assistant right now or maybe a college coach that, uh, that you'd like to see the Colts – you might not want to – you want to see him at least get interviewed, I think is what we can say. This is the kind he, of person you'd want to bring in and get interviewed. I'm just not good with names. What I want is just someone who will be aggress- – I, I want an aggressive guy. I want someone who's progressive. Like I, I'm tired of this. I've lived too long in this uh, run the ball, stop the run universe i i know this sounds like a cop-out but every time we have this conversation and we've had kyle and mm-hmm. i or whoever else has been on the show we've had this conversation before and i, I don't give names because I'll, I'll give an example there was a guy who worked for green bay who got hired by the uh raiders when um reggie mckenzie yeah when yeah. it was the same year when uh mm-hmm. they hired grigson and i really wanted yeah. him and then he goes and he he seemed like a failure for I don't know. Well, you want to talk about a guy who was in cap hell. Grigson's comment about being in cap hell is crap. Reggie McKenzie for two years in Oakland was in cap hell. And look at where they are right now. They're fantastic. And Reggie McKenzie is the reason they're playing. That team has gotten to where they are. His draft picks have been fantastic. Khalil Mack, Carr, all those guys. It took a, it took a while for that to materialize, and then when you hear when Grigson was hired and you heard him speak, it's like, oh, well, this guy's saying all the right stuff. So it's hard for me to. And clearly, Grigson was just talking out of his ass. Yeah, it's hard for me to to say because I I just don't know how someone's going to act once they get the job. I don't know if they're paying lip service or what. So for me, yeah. I just want someone. You you said it perfect earlier. You have to have someone who will build an identity. I don't know what the identity of this team is. Yeah. It's like a mishmash of pieces. You can't tell me that their identity is to run the ball and stop the run because they can do neither. And having yeah. Andrew Luck doesn't hamper that. And even that, even that, that. that philosophy now is antiquated. You don't run the right, ball and but, stop the run to win football games anymore. You throw the ball and you stop the quarterback to win football games. Look, I, I, I've set you up here 
right? It's a okay. small setup. We're talking about great names. So who's you just, a coach I know, with, you, a, but I didn't, with a fantastic name? I didn't want to say name. it because it's your – Say it. He's your guy. Say the name. You just want to say, say it. Jim Bob Cooter. <laughs> Jim Bob Cooter. 32-year-old Jim name. Bob Cooter. Look, we just want Jim Bob Cooter to become the head coach of the Indianapolis coach because of the Colts because Coach Cooter just has a wonderful <laughs> ring to it. It really – Because when uh, – Co- Coach Jim Bob or Coach Cooter just – well, okay, look – the immature, the adolescents in you and I think the name is great. And let's be honest, everybody, everybody listening out there, everybody who's ever seen that name in print, you've all snickered when you've said it out loud to yourself. Jim Bob Cooter, you've all snickered. Don't, don't, don't try and hide from that. Jim Bob Cooter, though, in all seriousness, uh, has done a fantastic job with the Detroit Lions. He is their offensive coordinator. He took over the job midpoint last season. Matthew Stafford owes his career resurgence now to Jim Bob Cooter, who has a very sophisticated and very progressive, I think, offense going in Detroit. Detroit's now the top team in the uh, NFC North, which is, you can make an argument that it's the toughest division in football, if not one of the toughest divisions. So he's done a great job. He will get head coaching interviews. And I think somebody's going to try and, uh, and, and, and try and make him their head coach. He has connection with Indianapolis. He got his coaching start in Indianapolis. He was a quality control coach when uh, Jim Caldwell took over in 2009 as the head coach from Tony Dungy. So, and Peyton Manning loves Jim Bob Cooter. Uh, so if you're, if you're hoping that Peyton Manning becomes like the executive of the Indianapolis Colts, I guarantee you if he does take that job, he will want to hire Jim Bob Cooter as his head coach. He, he will he will actively look to get that guy as the head coach. So that's a, that's a name that's going to be discussed. I mean, everyone wants to talk about Harbaugh and wants to talk about Gruden. You know, Cooter <laughs> is is a guy that that should get some some bites, and he's definitely somebody that the Colts should consider. And I, I think we're talking about philosophy here. The Colts have consistently had defensive minded coaches. Ever since Ursay took over as the owner, Jim Ursay, I mean, from his, from, his, from his father, Jim Moore is a defensive-minded coach, Tony Dungy's a defensive-minded coach, Chuck Pagano is a defensive-minded coach. Jim Caldwell was the only exception, but Jim Caldwell never had a track record as an offensive coordinator. His track record was as a quarterback coach. Now, I think that you need to start thinking about offensive-minded coaches, head coaches, coaches that are going to come in and work with your quarterback to create a sophisticated offense. If your team is built around your quarterback, which the Colts should be, then you need a coach that's going to come in and be able to work with your quarterback. And a guy like Jim Bob Cooter, maybe a guy like Kyle Shanahan. I'm not really big on Josh McDaniel. I'm just not sold on the guy. Uh, I, I, you know, I saw what he did with the St. Louis Rams offensive coordinator. He stunk. He stunk. And I watched a lot of Denver Bronco games the year he was the head coach there. They stunk. And uh, he's kind of a paranoid jerk. I'm not really convinced that he's going to be a good head coach. But maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. But those are some names that I think that they should consider. I think names that they should not consider unless it's a real – I mean, another name to throw out there is Tom Coughlin, you know? I mean, uh, you want to you want to bring in a guy that's gonna that's gonna hold people accountable. Uh, Tom Coughlin is your man, and uh, you know Tom Coughlin was very hit and miss with the New York Giants, but um, 
He outcoached Bill Belichick in two Super Bowls and had a lot of success with the New York Giants. But it, Coughlin was always boom or bust. They would either stink or they'd win the Super Bowl. <laughs> they were never, never in between. Um, uh, but, I mean, that's just the name. Coughlin's a name. I don't really know if Coughlin's going to be the guy that you go with. But no matter where Tom Coughlin's been, uh, the teams have been successful. He had success with Jacksonville, and he had success with the Giants. And he does want to coach again. So, I, I want to bash Pagano real quick before we go, because you touched on something sure. that I think is important. It was fine for them to have defensive-minded coaches leading up to the end of the Peyton Manning era, because yeah. when Tony Dungy came in, they had, or be, even before Tony Dungy, but they had because Tom they Moore. Had, because they had Tom Moore. And, and every and every Manning was not head coach Manning was did like, not want Tom Moore gone. He wanted Tom Moore to stay. So whoever was going to come in had to work with Tom Moore. So it was okay to bring in a defensive coach. Right, but I mean everyone was everyone was like just do whatever you want. It's it's your mm-hmm. offense. You do that. I'm not going to touch it. With with Chuck Pagano, the thing that is really kind of upsetting is you have you've had three people who have, who have been considered offensive minded geniuses: Bruce Arians, mm-hmm. Pep Hamilton, Sadzinski. All three have had uh-huh. the same exact problems in their offense to the point where it's undeniably certain that Pagano is influencing the way the offense is being run. Yeah, I agree. And the one time the Colts offense was interesting was when Pagano was in the hospital and Arians was the was the interim head coach. The Colts offense was very fun to watch, I thought. It was and completely very different inventive, from how it's been every other completely time. different. They're they're pushing the ball down the field. They're, they're doing route plays. They, the play that they beat the Titans on in Tennessee, I think it was week five or week six, it was that back screen throw to Vic, Vic Ballard who jumped into the end zone and won the game on that play. Uh, that was a play that they hadn't pr- that, that Arian saw in a college game and just added it to the playbook. I mean, that kind of improvisation, that kind of ingenuity, and just being smart with your play calling, just haven't seen that in recent years. And, you know, I liked Pep Hamilton. I thought that he was a fine coach. And even though Cleveland's just abjectly terrible right now, uh, I don't think it's the fault of him or Hugh Jackson because they're the, the talent there, just like in Indianapolis is very bare and they're doing the best that they can with what they've got. And I don't think that Rob Chenzinski is abjectly terrible either. I think that he's a bit overrated. But at the end of the day, I think you've got to get some people in here that have an offensive philosophy that works with Andrew Luck and that Luck can buy into and that Luck can work with. That's your team right now. It's Andrew Luck, and you're building around that. And I think what they have to – what they also have to do is do, – do we have a time limit right now? Do we need to go, or can we, can we continue riffing here for a few more minutes? Well, we have 30 more minutes technically, but my life demands that I go within 13 of those minutes. So we have 13 minutes – as a we hard have 13 cap. minutes. So let's talk. So we, we've talked about some names of coaches and we've talked about some names of general managers. Let's talk about some players. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's focus on, I think the major issue that everyone seems to focus on here, which is the offensive line. It stinks. Once That's again, true. we have a crappy offensive line by we, I mean the Colts. We are presented with a crappy offensive line. So how do you fix it? They've tried to fix it with coaching changes. That hasn't worked. Joe Philbin has to go. He stinks, I think. They've got one good offensive lineman, I think, at his position, and it's Kelly. I think they've done a good job drafting him out of Alabama. He looks really good, and uh, he's a big, tough guy, and he's got a nice rapport with Andrew Luck. We're not seeing fumbled snaps like we were 
the Jonathan Harrison and all that nonsense. Jonathan Harrison has to go by the way he stinks. So outside of that, though, I think every other position is completely open, including the left tackle position. I don't care how much money they've given to Anthony Costanzo. I think we've now come to the conclusion as analysts and as just, you know, people watching the, the, the league right here that Anthony Costanzo is not a left tackle. He can play it. He's okay at it. But we've seen too many times where, you know, really good pass rushers have blown right through him and blasted Andrew Luck. And when you're paying a guy like Costanzo that kind of money, he's got to be able to go out there by himself without a running back chipping or without a tight end and shut down a pass rusher. And he can't even shut down mediocre pass rushers. Forget the elite guys. Forget the Chandler Jones and the Vaughn Millers and the Khalil Max of this league. Forget those guys. He can't even shut down, you know, I wouldn't even consider Clowney an elite guy right now. He's very good, but I don't think he's elite. But do you trust Anthony Costanzo going one-on-one against that guy and stoning him the way that Tarek Glenn used to do to, you know, to all sorts of pass rushers in this league? <clears throat> Tarek Glenn would just stone people. And you, I, you I never hear the guy's more, name Paul. I'd had much more faith in him before this year. This year he has been on a steep, steep decline. He's, he's had a like, decline, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's scary and, how fast it's going. And I don't know... I do think there's a lot wrong with them schematically. Like they like to, the way they block the other players' best pass rusher with a tight end one on one. They just do weird stuff. So I don't know how yeah. much is the player, but we're we're getting to this point now, right, where we are five years or more into some of these players' careers, where mm-hmm. at this point in time they need to be a finished product. But the coaching has been so bad that it's mm-hmm. impossible to separate. The, the deficiencies of a player from the coaching. Like maybe Costanzo can bounce back under another coach, but, but now you're taking a chance that he, he's not I a think, better player than... But I think is, the issue overall with Costanzo is he never was, I mean, a really great left tackle. At, at best, he was good. At worst, he was right. awful. And he would always, well, it, it always hovers somewhere in the middle. So we, he's not, you know, he's not Tony Hugo. You know what I mean? No. He's not just, he's not just, oh my God, what the heck is this? And he's not... Charlie Johnson, who is, you know, what we would call a high effort guy, you know, it's a guy who's going to go out there and you know what you're getting every play, but Charlie Johnson's not some elite. He wasn't some elite left tackle. So he's better than that. But when you're, when you sign him to the extension that they signed him to, the kind of money that you're giving him, you expect him to become elite and he's not. And I've talked to a number of people in the league that have often said about Costanzo, he goes, he is an okay left tackle at best. He would be a very good right tackle. He'd be more comfortable over there. He's not going one-on-one against the premier pass rushers in the league. And it would shore up the right side of the offensive line for the Colts, which right now is awful. It's terrible. They haven't had a good right tackle since Ryan Diem. So I think that's something that they have to consider. I know they're paying him a lot of money, but this, you know, when they come into the next offseason, I think they need to consider taking Costanzo and putting him on the right side. You either go out into this draft class this year is, is, is horrible, I'm told, with offensive linemen. So you're probably not going to find a new left tackle in this draft class. 
But you can go out and get a veteran like uh, the left tackle in Cincinnati, Whitworth, I think his name is, Andrew Whitworth. He's going into his 11th season or his 12th season. He's one of the highest-rated left tackles in the league right now. And he's looking for his last big payday. And he's a guy that you could absolutely target in free agency. He is excellent as a left tackle. He is better than Anthony Costanzo. You can bring him in, and you can plug him in on the left side or plug in someone like him on the left side for a couple of years while you're grooming your next left tackle. You've got Costanzo on the right. If there's an injury to Whitworth, fine. Costanzo flips right back over to the left. The, the, the analogy that people give me about Costanzo is that he's dug free of the Dallas Cowboys. You know, Doug Free was their left tackle for a while, I remember. And then they drafted Tyron Smith and moved Free over to the right side. And Doug Free is an excellent right tackle, and Tyron Smith is the best left tackle in football. So their, their tackle situation is set in Dallas. That's the kind of mindset that they need to have in Indianapolis. Get, you've got your center locked down. Lock down your tackle positions. Muhort's a pretty decent guard. And then just get somebody to play right guard. Guards are disposable. You should be able to find a guard anywhere. I think that's really the big you reason. Think. <laughs> well, here, I, I think that's, that's, a, that's a great example right there of how you know your front office is inept. You should be able to find good guards anywhere, free agency, college, you know, college free agents coming in or the draft. You should be able to find good guards. They should become that you should draft good guards and they should be developed as good guards. And if you can't do that, get rid of the front office and get rid of the coaching staff because you should be able to fill that. You shouldn't need to have to draft a guard at, at a high level. When they drafted Jack Muhort, I think, in the second round, I bashed it because, again, you should just be able to find these kinds of guys. You shouldn't need to invest high-level picks in guards. And that's what Muhort always was. He was a guard. People were like, oh, he can play center. He can play tackle. No, he can't. He's a guard. You know, Maybe he could play right tackle in a pinch if there's significant injuries. But they tried him at right tackle, and he was terrible. So these are the kinds of things that, that they need to write. You get your tackle situation locked down where you've got people who are comfortable at the positions and who are doing an effective job. You've got your center position locked down. Get some guys at guard. And then there you're, that's going to solve most, if not – I'm not going to say it's not going to solve all because you still need some playmakers. But it's going to solve a lot of the problems of the Colt offense if they do just that. I really hope it's not Grigson once again picking the uh, offensive line this off. Like that's one of the reasons you have to fire him because he's shown an yeah. inability to to fix this. It has to be fixed again. You can't just say, "Okay, go ahead, fifth, fifth time's the charm" or sixth, whatever. You can't. Yeah, you can't keep waiting. This is a this is a position, an area where you shouldn't have wasted as many assets as they have. Yeah, and now you're like. Go ahead and waste more when you show no ability. Like, n there's no reason to think that he's going to get it right this time. Exactly. And to, for people listening, uh, you know, happy holidays, Merry Christmas. The hope that Greg and I will give you here is this. It is fixable. This is yeah. a fixable. I, I think this is a fixable problem in Indianapolis. You've got a lot of teams in the end. You know, look at the Jets. Look at the Browns. Look at the Jaguars right now. They don't have, they have no quarterbacks. None of these teams have quarterbacks, and it's going to get coaches fired because they have no quarterback. They have no quarterback in San Francisco. They have no quarterback right now in Los Angeles with the Rams. So th there is a quarterback on that roster in Indianapolis who is damn good. I think he's a top-five guy. People are like, why isn't he getting MVP consideration? Well, because he's on a bad team. But he's, having, he's putting up MVP night numbers. He's better than Russell Westbrook. 
Sorry, he's Westbrook. He's better than Russell Wilson. He's better than yeah, Russell Westbrook, Westbrook too. <laughs> Westbrook just popped up in my Twitter feed, by the way. He's having a really good season. Um, yeah. He's, you know, I, I think the only guy that you can say right now that is completely better than him playing right now is Tom Brady. You know, Matt, you know, maybe Matt Ryan, but, you know, if the Atlanta Falcons right now could dump Matt Ryan for Andrew Luck, they'd do it. So that tells me Andrew Luck is better. Andrew Luck is think- a fantastic, fantastic player. I think he's a better player and a better talent than Peyton Manning was. Whoa. So overall, oh. overall, overall, he's got Manning's brain and he's got more talent and no physical talent than Peyton oh, yeah, Manning. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. yeah, but Peyton Manning had Marvin Harrison and 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 Marshall Falk and Edgerin James and Marcus Pollard and De- and Dallas Clark and Jeff Saturday and Tarek Glenn and Ryan Diem. I'm just talking the offense here. You don't see those kinds of players surrounding Andrew Luck. Closest one is T.Y. Hilton. That's it. So, you know, that's the, kind, that's the difference right now between Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning, which is why people are comparing Luck to Manning's father, <laughs> Archie Manning, than they are to Peyton, because Andrew Luck's career, so his career is, is being wasted, as people say. So to everyone out there, this is a fixable problem. Greg and I, we, we feel that it's fixable. You just have to bring in the right people to fix it because the people now don't know what they're doing. They never knew what they were doing. They always sold you a bag of goods. And now it's just more obvious that instead of being given gold, you were given a sack of beans. And there ain't no magic bean stock in those beans. It's just beans. So it is fixable. And if you're reading the tea leaves right now, I think you're going to get what you want. You're going to get change. And maybe what we can do here, Greg, is that when that change happens, you and I can jump back on this podcast and we can talk about what that change means for everybody and what the Colts are probably going to do. Is it a date? Yeah, sure. Sounds good. All right. Sounds man. great. Thanks for, thank thanks you. for this. Oh, this was this is a big treat for me. I'm glad that we finally got to do this. And um, you know, it's great to talk to you and it's great to be part of your your, your podcast here. And I really, really appreciate it. Merry Christmas, man. Merry Christmas to your family. Uh, Merry Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Good to talk to you. And uh, no, I really appreciate it. And hopefully, you know, hopefully we get news sooner rather than later. I mean, it won't happen during the season, but January. We're uh, going to get it after the new year. We're going to get it after the new year. And they're either going to come out and say there is no change or there's going to be big change, big change. They're going to get rid of either going to keep both of them or fire both of them. It's not going to be one or the other. I, I, and I, I think the, the, the tea leaves suggest that it's going to be big change. If they, if they don't change, I actually do think that this will be the straw that broke Colts fans' backs. It just the, Probably. The things you see on Twitter now, people talking about canceling tickets and whatnot, it's, they move beyond the friendly vibe. Yeah, I don't think there's a waiting list anymore for uh, season ticket holders, from what I understand. I could be wrong on that, though, so don't hold me to it. I don't live in but, Indianapolis. Good. There shouldn't be. Speak with your wallets, guys. That's the only way this stuff changes. Yeah. Don't, I mean, don't, look, let, don't let look what's people. happening in San Francisco right now. Nobody's showing up to the stadium there. So Jed York, Jed York might get power taken away from him by his parents. How embarrassing is that? You're the owner of the team and your parents are going to take away your ability to run your team. How embarrassing is that? But it couldn't have happened to a bigger jerk than Jed York. Uh, Trent Balky's probably going to be fired. Chip Kelly's probably going to be fired. You know, the, the the situation in San Francisco is the almost exact same situation in Indianapolis. And, you know, other, you know, 
the people of the Bay Area are speaking up. They're they're flying banners over the top of practice saying fire Jed York, even though he's the owner. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's you know, that's how if you want to make a statement and let the owner know that you're not happy with the way the team is being run, do it with your wallet. You know, instead of buying instead of buying your your sister that Colts T-shirt this Christmas, buy her something else. That will certainly get Jim Mercer's attention. But we'll see. Yeah, you have a, you have like a good, good day, man. You, you have you a good too. day, man, and uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, pick a good tree. I will. Thank you're you. Going, you're going. Okay. And uh, to everyone else, Happy Holidays. Thank you for listening. If you didn't listen, well then, you know, screw you. I don't know what your problem is. Screw you. Actually, just just download. That's all we care about. Just give us download metrics. <laughs> you metrics. don't have to listen. Just download. <laughs> Just download. All about numbers. Exactly. While you're listening and in the car, while you're going to get your Christmas tree, while you're going to pick up your kids, you should be listening to Greg and I bash your favorite team. <laughs> Merry Christmas. And if the Colts aren't your favorite team anymore, then tell me who your favorite team is and we'll, and we'll bash, bash them. them too. <laughs> we'll bash them too. I'm, I'm more than happy to bash the Seahawks, the Jets, the Giants, the Browns, the Steelers. We can get guests on. Your, you know, your local media people, maybe a player or two, not a problem. Maybe, maybe if Greg can really swing it, he can get Nate and I on, and Nate and I can actually get into a fight on air as opposed to on Twitter. Sorry to talk about that. Whenever Nate and I talk on the phone, we're actually, whenever Nate and I talk on the phone, we were always very civil to one another. Nate was actually That's really okay. great I to talk I don't care. We're going to make it happen anyhow. <laughs> Nate's a, Nate's a really nice guy. Nate, if you're listening, happy holidays. Much love to you and your family. And on that note, <laughs> goodbye, everyone. I'm being serious. Good night. Actually, I don't have the, the music queued up. I don't have the proper music queued up. So for those who have listened for a long time, just picture the music in your head. Have a good holiday, everyone. I miss you all. <laughs> goodbye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.